I think it was a real missed opportunity. We had a chance to harmonise and didn't. <laughs> All three of us in turn, I've hit record. We've never had the three be able to do that, but there's a missed opportunity. I've hit record. I've hit record. You see, it would have been really good. We're not doing it now. It's over. <laughs> I'm just relieved that I've got some way to open this because otherwise I had nothing. It could have been a real disaster. It'd have been real dicey. I had nothing. How? How else? How? How what, do you have something you, right now? You know. Yeah. The only thing sort of really relevant and certainly what people want to talk about is the fact that um, well, the cops murdered a man, and now we are here. <laughs> so, yeah. With everything around us. Everything uh, around seemingly us. Seemingly crashing down. Yeah. Yes. But joining myself and Conrad and Laura this week is Sean Alexander Allen, uh, artist, writer, game, basically everything, <laughs> everything that has ever been and ever will be. And a name that should be familiar to folks um, if they've played Treachery and Beatdown City. Uh, hello, Sean. Hi. How is everybody doing? Oh, you know. <laughs> We're fine. How are you? Yeah. I'm. I don't know. Uh, I'm fine as, I don't know, like, it's, uh, yeah, it's very uh, hard to, you know, get stuff done on a day-to-day basis, but it's been that way for a while. I mean, I think the thing that's, the thing that bothers me the most, like, because, I mean, like, like COVID-19 hit, right? And Mm -hmm. then that dampened all of what's been going on for the last, like, because, you know, like Arnaud was di- killed, like by like well, that actually just released recently, right? The video of the the two guys who killed him, and because mm-hmm. that was for their defense, actually, they thought that was going to help things, and uh, all it showed was a defenseless person being murdered, and uh, Brianna Taylor, right, was murdered. Like I remember yeah. hearing about this, and I'm like. You know, it's exactly what the Black Panther said: "Have a gun in your home." Except the cops will then arrest you for uh, attempted or uh, attempted murder when you're firing people illegally, breaking into your house, not even looking for any of the right people, while the right person was actually apparently apprehended across town. Um, so, you know, George Floyd's death uh, is not the reason why people are protesting. It is a reason. It was a spark. Um, and uh, like, you know, the economic downturn, 33 million Americans uh, on unemployment, right? People are not being as sated. They're not being as, uh, you know, they can't go anywhere. They can't, uh, you know, like life is not normal. And this is what happens, right? Like people start uprising because they're like, whoa, like uh, stuff's not normal because now they don't have a normal life anymore. And now like it's like what happens in a lot of places, it's like food stops being a thing you can get and. And now Americans are finally waking up to the same things that a lot of other countries uh, deal with. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe we should go protest some injustice. And then the police start all the fights. Right. And yeah. so that like it's literally like you can see all of it because that it's just like so I just you know, I just worry about my friends. I worry about people. Uh, I worry about just, you know, COVID-19 already had like, is my baby going to be able to have like friends uh, growing up, like as like a like you know, I don't know, um, or I can I see people, and now it's more like, what's gonna be left outside when like you know, like what's gonna happen? Like, are they gonna start firebombing New York? Like, all I hear is like uh, sirens. I've all only heard sirens and helicopters for the last few months, and now it's more 
because now it's like them rallying to actually go do something. The sirens used to be ambulances and now they're cop cars. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, um, I'm fairly near a, a prominent road and the cops like to drive through and just let the siren go intermittently just to remind everyone that they're here. Um, so they're, yeah, they just like to show off. Uh, and then at night, yeah, it's a, it's a helicopter display up there. Yeah, it's 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 been weird seeing the displays of force. Like I'm I'm not in the in the United States, but even here in the UK, the displays of force in the last couple of weeks have been slightly surreal. Um, the number of helicopters that just keep getting seemingly for no reason flown low overhead is not a thing I've really experienced before, and it's I I uh, it's it's it's. Un, un, there's no word for it. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's exhausting, you know, for one yeah. thing, and and it's it's also interesting to a certain extent because you know we'd been home for COVID, mm-hmm. and you know I'd been staying home and I'd been very diligently doing that, and now you know in the last couple of days I've started to go outside because I've started to seek demonstrations to participate in and things like that, and. Just being outside is is completely different in my city than it was a week ago, mm-hmm. and and it's 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 the thing I find kind of interesting about it is I look at all of these boarded up businesses everywhere, and it gives the impression that there's far more violence going on than there actually is. Well, yeah, like Sephora, Sephora near me uh, in Manhattan, like. Uh... They already boarded up because they were just like, up. Oh, we're closing down for a while because of COVID. They didn't board up for any other reason than to preemptively stop anybody trying to break into the... Because they were like, we're abandoning our store. Because they also, like, after telling everybody that their jobs would be safe, they, like, fired everybody, basically. And, like, very soon after. And I'm just like, I think they were just preemptively being like, well, we don't want these people to come back. And we don't want... Uh, just while we're not watching the store for the next however months, like we just want to make sure our makeup stays safe. And uh, like my neighborhood is really weird. It's always funny because people think that like, like I'm, I'm I live on like I don't know, I guess what people call the Upper West Side or whatever. I'm from the East Village, so I'm from like very poor part of Manhattan that. Uh, now, like up here, like there's like it's very strange to me because I've watched it when they were doing it across the street from my mom's apartment. They build a condo there. They rip down half a block. And now, like up here, there's like, you know, the projects right across the street from a giant million dollar condo, which is where the Sephora is. And it's just like I think they're just like, well, we know what part of the city we're in, so we don't know what's going to happen and let's just abandon it. But so it's like, you know, this boarding up. Yeah, it's just like it's it's kind of just performative essentially they're like let's just make sure things are here in four months or whatever see you later yeah and i live in an apartment that's over a business and uh my landlord who owns the building owns the business uh he got in touch and he he was asking if we thought he should board up and you know there was some activity on my street and and a couple of fires actually were set but by some kids it wasn't they weren't they were just taking an opportunity because things were wild that night to get into a little bit of mischief and it wasn't a problem um and but you know what i saw and the thing that I, i found really heartening at least was while that was going on the people in the community and the local businesses, they were there to 
you know, say, hey, we're here to support you. We, I hope you're not going to damage our business, but that's, you know, we're here for you. And, and, and to watch and make sure that the cops didn't cause problems because they were out in force, too. Uh, and I think that that's that's the thing that I'm I'm most at least comforted by, at least the very least where I am, uh, and mm-hmm. certainly can't speak for people elsewhere. But at least where I am, I know that there is a community of people that are looking out for each other, and then and that that's such a comfort. Who the hell else is gonna? You know? Yeah, exactly. And nothing else comes yeah. out of the COVID uh, situation and this. One of the most important things that I'm valuing and learning is the importance of knowing your neighbors, knowing your community, yeah. and and working together to protect each other. I mean, that's always been New York for me. Um, like, I mean, like I've, I mean, my mom was a demonstrator for like public gardens back in the '80s, and um, so they're now they now are po- protected by the parks. Uh, department now they were empty lots that people took over and you know they got together and they became real community gardens they were only for people that live there and i mean when in like 2003 i think when there was a huge blackout you know you just saw people taking people home in uh different cars like you saw people getting together i mean uh i mean i'm from new york right like i saw 9-11 like (laughs) like i walked home from school like that day and just saw people uh you know people were very supportive of each other and trying to make sure i mean the thing is is new york has always been about like neighbors and and being a part of like the areas it's just the thing about new york that's also happening is new york has always been the haves and have nots Mm -hmm. and so like you'll see like yeah like soho getting like vandalized and because soho's bullshit like soho's just like like it's no longer where like artists go to do anything that's just like big like north face and other giant brands just of apple comes in i don't know i haven't seen a whole lot of what's going on i see like videos of like like them blocking protesters and on like the bridge or or running them over at Barclays Center, which is also like a piece of shit, right? It's just like this giant obelisk towards a bank. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like, so it's those places like, and that's like a place where they threw out a ton of black and brown people who lived in that area. And so it's like, it's those areas that are getting hit. And it's hard to have much sympathy for that. Yeah. No, who cares? Like, like get rid of it, get rid of all of it make make it into homes again like that would be great the the thing from from outside the us looking in that has been the most terrifying part of everything to watch has very much been the escalation of police brutality in the in the last few days trying to trying to stop people protesting um i i don't know how accurate this sentiment is on the ground but it sure looks from outside and the story the world seems to be seeing is America is doing the thing that it condemned other countries for doing in the past of oh, yeah. firing on its own people uh, d- zero care if they do so in front of press they will violently attack press to stop them from documenting the violent acts they're doing against peaceful protesters and that's fucking terrifying yeah 
Anyway, we can do 20 minutes of just sort of sighing if you want. <laughs> like, the things that I think I can actually affect any sort of change with, because I can't do anything about the world, um, but I can talk about, like, how bullshit it is that the industry that doesn't care about black people wants to now all of a sudden claim that they care about black people. Yes. Um, like, people, people keep doing this, like, people don't seem to understand that the term Black Lives Matter doesn't mean when they're being murdered in the street it means like <laughs> like and that's the that's kind of my problem why i don't actually like i'm like you know the term black lives matter important uh the group black lives matter i don't know what they do so uh i don't you know like i've been asked are you a black lives matter supporter i'm like i support black life mattering mm -hmm. i don't support a whole lot of groups because i don't you know i don't there's been a lot of like over the last 10 years or so like um charlatans coming up with like uh like like there's the big sean king fiasco right like where um nobody knows where any of the money they give him goes it disappears and i eventually i was first like and i see like white liberals and uh kind of stumbling into sean king the sean kingdom essentially where they're like man this guy says a lot of great stuff and this and that and yeah then he got like dragged by conservative media for maybe not being black i don't know and i'm more like yo he's just taking people's money and disappearing with it and saying a whole lot of stuff and getting in front of a lot of things and then yelling at and blocking a bunch of black women when they call him out for where'd the money go so like again like so that's i don't really support a lot of groups for that and i don't support anyone putting up these black uh uh photos with text because unless they're saying and unless they're actually doing anything then it's just like um i've seen most of these companies just uh, basically doing the exact opposite. I mean, just giving to a charity doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm telling people this, and I, I don't know, Chucklefish was like, oh, we support Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't when you cast white people as black people in your game. And then you came back to apologize. And I'm like, you got a digital game. Patch it out, bro. It's a patch. It's a digital patch. Hire new people. Do new VO. Spend money on it. Like, spend money fixing your issue. All you did was quote-unquote apologize, and you didn't do anything. Like, like it's like, it'd be, like, weird if, like, if like your abuser just kept abusing you and kept apologizing, and then maybe they didn't, like, punch you in the face again, but they didn't do anything to right the punching you in the face. It's like, Naughty Dog uh, puts up a thing where Neil Druckmann went on and on and on and on and on. Every single time he was asked about it, why they cast... Laura Bailey to play a black South African woman. And he said, Oh, she was just great at it. So we just did that. And this is the great part about our medium. We can just cast white people as black people. It doesn't matter. And brought up the fact that apparently they cast a black person to play a white person. And it's like, well, Laura Bailey, as far as I've heard from South African friends of mine, her accent is atrocious, so she's not the right person to play mm -hmm. that person. If you don't know the difference between what a white South African and a black South African's background would be, then you shouldn't be writing anything for anybody ever because it'd be like, that's like saying, oh, what was the difference between the white slave owner and the black slave? Right. Mm -hmm. Like who just got freed 20 years ago. Like literally it was in my history books. Apartheid ending. I've seen movies about this stuff. Like I have, and again, I have now, thanks to the Game Devs of Color Expo, which I helped run, we've flown out like people from South Africa and I've had like in-person discussions about this. It's like, it's not fine. And yet Naughty Dog's posting the same Sony drivel of, hey, we support this. I'm like, you don't actually. 
Right. How many of your, like, give me your numbers. How many black people have you hired over the last entirety of, like, I, I have, like, one friend I know. I have my one black friend that works at that company. They have their one black employee. How many more? Who's on your board? Yeah, like, yeah, nobody. And, um, but again, like, the fact that they just let Neil Druckmann go on and on about saying, oh, yeah, we brought in everybody. And I'm also like, you know what? That black person that you forced into a white person's uh, character design, change them. If you find a black actor who's dope, change them. You find a white voice actor who's dope, change them. Don't try to own shit. Don't be like, oh, now she's black and we're going to force a white person. If you find a different actor, that's what's cool about our thing. You don't have to keep the person looking the same. You can change them if you want to. You can do whatever you want. Just don't force people like... Like, I mean, I've been vilified on the internet for saying that Kratos should be a black person because Kratos is actually voiced and has been for like 20 years by a black person. And like, whew, that was like the first time I knew what it was like, like the real, like anytime I bring up anything about race, I get like hammered. But that was like the time where people went to my Facebook account to tell me that I don't know anything about like history. And that was the first time I felt like the slightest smidgen of being like what a woman on the internet's like, mm. because like people were like, clearly you've never played the God of War games. And I'm like, I've played all the God mm. of War games and Greek, uh, Greek mythology was my favorite thing as a kid. Clearly you don't know anything about Greece because Greece has had trade routes in the ancient times with Ethiopia and Egypt. There are children named Odysseus in Ethiopia. So don't give me that shit that there can't be black people in Greece. Also, Greece was an empire. They had everybody. Mm. And also the fact that, again, Kratos' parent being a white guy and a white woman when Zeus's brother and sister are, like, tree people. <laughs> and, like, Zeus also... Remember, Zeus raped a woman, like, as a swan and then has a kid through that. And the Minotaur, right? Like, that came from Poseidon, right? Like... Like, in the land full of bull people and horse people and bird people and tree people, <laughs> yeah. that Kratos being part of the oldest group of people on the earth, Africans, uh-huh. right? Like, like that, that can't happen. Zeus can turn himself into a swan, but he can't produce a black offspring. Zeus yeah. can become, yeah, like, and I get it, white European Zeus could not produce that offspring right um but like if they would have made zeus black as hell sure that would be cool like why not like he's in like all like people don't seem to understand that if you're like making gods and you're talking about the most ancient people the only reason gods are white in norse mythology is because they didn't know about that people came from africa yeah i'm sure of it because they didn't know and they also they got to make them look like themselves because gods are made by people and so they have to be upholding like the flaws in people and all that stuff. Like this is this is I mean, this is this is why all this stuff happens. So it's just like like we we live in it. And again, like all I said was I thought it was craven and cowardly to keep Kratos. If you're going to keep Kratos as a character and you're going to keep shoving a black person into his role, like literally nobody on the God of War, like everybody in the God of War, like main actors, all their characters in the game look exactly like the actors, except Kratos. Mm. He is fully designed to look like Ed Norton as a race, as a Nazi, like a neo-Nazi, right? Like, that's what his design came mm-hmm. from. So you're shoving a black person into the body of a neo-Nazi. Um, and nobody seems to understand this. And when you talk about, like, race theory or studies or anything, which I didn't grow up studying, I literally, I had a switch flipped in 2012, uh, like, because of Spotify, actually, I think. Like, I got to finally listen to all of Dead Prez's Let's Get Free 
and all of Saul Williams's uh, self-titled album. And these mm. albums like ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. and they tell you a lot of things. And I was like working at Rockstar Games and I looked around and there were like five black people there, none of them in decision making roles. And I was like, fuck this industry. <laughs> also, I think <laughs> I went to GDC for the first time that year. And I had um, a, an Israeli Jewish man tell me that he was making a game based on Bob Marley. And I asked him, do you have any black people on your team? And he said, no, but we're looking into it. They never found anybody. And I'm like, also, like, you don't understand that Bob Marley is more important to black people than he is to anybody. Like, you shouldn't be making this game. If you're not making it with black people involved, then you're making like a lie. That's yeah, that's pretty wild. So it's just like and these are all the people that are putting up these. And it's just like. Like, it just makes me, like, and I, I don't have the energy to yell at everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I keep seeing this thing. I literally had the Naughty Dog post up. I wrote a thing, and I kept being like, I don't know. I don't know how to put this up without, like, somehow it blowing back at me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, so then I actually, I have been lashing out more towards indie publishers because I feel like I'm those are less protected and it's maybe not fair, but like there's people that I know. There's so many people I know who put up these images and I'm like, how many black, how many devs by black, how many games by black devs have you published? And they'll be like, oh, well, couldn't find one because of fit or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, I run a games conference. We get hundreds of submissions every year. Like we put out 25 games a year to show that are great. What are you talking about? If you want to find games from any minority group, it is literally as easy as go on Twitter and go, hey, are you a member of this minority group? I'd love to see what games you're working on. Are you looking for a publisher? Let me know about that. I I disagree with that just because, no, like the like literally the way that I do it. And I'm not I'm not trying to cut you off, but I'm like, oh, no, no, that's fine. Do cut me off. <laughs> the thing is, is like because like I have my collection of black devs like that. I literally have gone through on Twitter and not just devs like I like follow like black feminist radicals and all poets and all these people. So like my feed is like filled with so many different people. Like, you know, I have I have I am mutuals with like some of like amazing people. And it's like this interesting, like the fact that like these radical people like give a shit about me, the game dev. And it's because, you know, the way that I handle myself and like but it's I like, follow people and I literally just listen. Yeah. I, I read their threads and I read their threads. I don't react. I, I click like mostly. Actually, that has gotten me more followbacks than anything as I like the shit out of people's stuff because I'm reading their stuff for years. And then it's like, it's like, you know, if you like you got to find people first, like that's literally just what I do as I go. I see black devs. If I see somebody being like, I'm making this game, I've literally gone and seen a game show up and then dig to find the people working on it and go to find pictures of people that are working on it. And I'm like, oh, that's a black person making that game. That game looks dope. I want to know more about this. Follow every single, follow the game account, follow the dev accounts, follow everything, and then sit there and then wait to hear something else about it in a year or two, maybe, and then be like, okay, you want to come to my games conference? We'll fly you out. I want you to come speak. Like, that's what I do. Like, it's the long game. And but the thing is, is there's so many people out there now you can actually just like if you came up to somebody uh, like you can't make people feel weird. You can't do that. Like if you were like, hey, you're a trans woman. I want you to make a game for me. No, not at all. Like, hey, I like what you do. Yeah. 
I want to give you money for that. Like, so a great example is Shane Bentenhausen, mm. Sony person, like one of the greatest people on the planet. I love this man to death. Uh, when he had a platform for indie devs, uh, he was given the keys to like, you know, give out some contracts for PlayStation mobile development and doomed platform. No one knew. No one knew. Shane went out to cool, small, cool indie devs and reached out to marginalized people too. And I remember like me and him, we actually bonded talking about El Shaddai and like the Bible and stuff. And like, I basically, I played the long game because I thought he was an interesting dude. I actually didn't know much about him at like EGM and all that stuff. I just thought he was like a cool guy. I went to play El Shaddai the same weekend. I went to demo LA Noir for free for Rockstar because I just wanted to hang out with the marketing peeps. And, you know, I knew that like, volunteering to go on that trip would get me up there and get me to so i go and talk to shane i don't really know who he is we talk we bond uh he comes to new york for an el shaddai marketing uh tour because he believes in that game we talk about like the bible i reach out over twitter i'm like hey let's go hang out like let's go get drinks go get drinks uh at gdc uh, i have a card for my game that my ex-wife made for me that was like a lenticular card with my character art on it um and so it's like this character just punching in an animation thing. People go apeshit for these cards too. Like it's like my 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 ex-wife was like a huge part of my success these days, and we're still good. Um uh, you know, we just drift apart as people do, but um also a brown woman who had a really hard time finding anywhere into the industry because people were very shitty to her. Um mostly white women. Um, I might add. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of essentialism for her too. People were like, we want you to give a talk. And she'd be like, I don't feel like comfortable. So that's why I say like, don't go to people because of who they are, go to them because of what they do and that they're interesting. And so like, she actually got a scholarship to go to her MFA and no one was like, you're a Puerto Rican artist. We want you to be at SVA for your MFA. It was like, came to her house said, I love your art. Give her money. That's how they got her, you know, that's how they got the one Puerto Rican woman who was in the MFA program. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you said, hey, you're part of this marginalized group, we want you. No. It's like, hey, we want you because you're awesome. We like what you do. Because the thing is, like, I curate games, right? I don't think every game I made by every black developer is good. I think some of them are terrible. If I had a lot of time, I would like to give everybody as much feedback as I could. A lot of people don't want feedback either. Mm. You might be like, yo, man, like if you put more art effort into this or whatever, we'd really love it. They might yell at you. So I don't give unsolicited feedback there either. But so Shane, I leave a card for him at GDC. Cause I didn't know how any of this stuff worked. We were at the, um, the, uh, was just, I was just like, Oh, it's a Sony booth. He works at Sony. He's probably there. Not there. Cause he was a, the, the indie dev person walking around trying to find cool stuff. Sure. I didn't know this. I leave my card. Um, then he just reaches out eventually. And he's like, I like, I like, like you clearly are like interested in doing something cool. So I want to work with you for PlayStation mobile. And he's like, send your pitch deck. And I sent a pitch deck. It was a bad pitch deck. And I said, tell me about my pitch deck. How was it? He was like, it wasn't that good. And I was like, cool, I'll give you another one. And, you know, he gave me a space to kind of fail. Mm. And, you know, he, he, he's like, this guy's smart. He's from rock. And, you know, he vouched for me. He's like, this guy's smart. He's from rockstar. Like, you know, like he has like he he's just a person we should have making games. And that's why I'm here today, because like like Shane took a, a risk on me like and it was. And I don't think 
like it's like we talk about like risks and it was more like I didn't have a game really made yet. Like I was kind of fiddling in Game Maker with my programmer. Um, but it was like he was the person like I showed that game concept idea to like Devolver. I showed it to a lot of people back in the day. And a lot of people thought a lot of it sounded interesting, but wanted to see more like finished things to do anything with me. And, you know, Shane like was able to lock in the contract so that basically me leaving Rockstar uh, wasn't me leaving with nothing else to do. Mm. And I worked on that prototype, got that to them. And then by the time my severance and unemployment ran out, I got my first like bit of money from like it wasn't a lot, but it was from PlayStation Mobile and it helped us keep going for a little bit more and and then PlayStation Mobile failed and by that point we had been able to do a Kickstarter so it got us through like you know a year and a half of development and it's like taking things like that like it's I always talk about how like you know Forrest Whitaker quote unquote took a risk on Ryan Coogler Ryan Coogler makes one of the biggest movies of all time right he made his risk on Fruitvale Station and now Forrest Whitaker is like in like Black Panther, right? Like yeah. directed by Ryan Coogler. Like I keep trying to tell publishers this. I'm like, look, man, you need to invest in people. And the problem is we don't have black people in these spaces to even do it, right? Like Chris Rock took a risk, quote unquote, on W. Kamau Bell to do, uh, um, what was it? Uh, damn it! Like I've literally gone to all of his shows when they were in New York. Um. But yeah, W. Kamal Bell had a had a TV show here. Why can't I remember the name? Um, now he hosts Fifty Shades of America on CNN, and that show like was not that show was totally like a, a great show for him to open up. He had a great mixed group of writers of all backgrounds, and then turned that into making a show showing people what lots of different like groups in America were like. It's like so. It's like a, you keep seeing these things of like a black person with some money helping out another black person who doesn't have money or like, or just has like, they just think they're interesting and they're like, Oh, we've seen you've done a few things. Here's some money. And it's like, I've literally, but like after Shane, it's all been door slammed in my face primarily, you know, like try to show a game to X, Y, Z publisher, get nothing, no feedback. You ask for feedback. You're like, no man, I could just help like Shane being like, I didn't think your pitch deck was that good. Because I asked him and we had a good rapport like that helped me build a better and he and I, it still wasn't a good pitch deck at that point. It was still like decent. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, it was decent. I was like, cool. Like, I'll take some progress because the money's still going to go through and we're still going to do the, the thing together. But, you know, you got to vouch and no one's doing that. That's the problem. Like, we're getting very small amounts. Like a good example is Humble Bundle. Uh, they gave us 15 grand last year to give, well, they gave the Game Devs of Color Expo 5K to give to the Game Devs of Color Expo as an event, but then gave 15K as a humble original thing to a dev, uh, Ethan Red. They gave it, they let us choose who we wanted to give it to. We lowered it down to like five group people, voted internally, and then Ethan Red, a poor guy, a guy who grew up really poor in like Albany, New York, I think. Um, is like making a cool game for Humble while making a thousand other cool things for everybody else. Like he's making that game for uh, a Glow Up Games. The um, God damn it, what's the name of the TV show on HBO? With the my brain is like fried about like everything right now. But um, uh, Insecure. Insecure. Yeah. So Glow Up Games is run by uh, black and brown women, and uh, they're making a game for for the Insecure. And Ethan Red's doing the art for it. He has an amazing art style that's super, like, 
Sega, like it's like this whole throwback to like what if Dreamcast, but like even more extra, and like you know blue skies, beautiful texture work, beautiful like cell shaded looking stuff, and his stuff's just like amazing. And the fact that we were able to give like you know a young black man some money to work on another project made us feel like like so great. And it's just like the fact that they got out of our way and they're like, yeah, just go, just tell us who you want to give the money to. We'll give the money to them. Like another game will be born into the world because of that. In the other side, it's just, it's, it's, it's generally like, like I've talked to, I've talked to black people who've been in the games industry for a long time too, like older black folks who are just like, well, we're not going to give people money. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, I'm like, literally that's how things get made. Like you got to give people seed funding up front or else things don't get made. And that, yeah. and I mean, I guess to that end, I mean, I'm just looping back. It's just like, yeah, like, because we were talking about a lot in the beginning, and it's, like, very hopeless and this and that, and it's like, I'm still very hopeless, and I don't really know, but it's the things like this that, like, the games industry being like, oh, we side with this, we side with that, that's not helping. Right. I want I want to know how many black people you have in your company versus out of all the other people. I want to know how many people you're hiring, how many projects you've, you've greenlit i want to know how many you know because like you get like charles webb right um mafia three writer Mm -hmm. the only black person working on the project though so he's like basically like that game's terrible like mafia three is is like like the main character is basically john cena he has no like affiliate like the fact that the first mission and it's not it's like it's not terrible it's well made in a lot of ways the shooting's really bad but also it's just like the fact that the first mission is to go murder haitians I'm like, this was not led by black people. Like, why would your first thing be to just go murder more black people as your first mission? Also, that game doesn't involve, like, the the Nation of Islam with, if I think if they heard of an invincible black man murdering the KKK, they'd show up and be like, hey, what's going on, man? He would have gotten a visit from Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah. He would have, right? Right? Yeah. They'd be like, yo, we hear you're scaring the shit out of people. If you can hang around with Leonardo da Vinci in Assassin's Creed, yeah, then yeah. I think Malcolm X showing up in Mafia 3 is perfectly acceptable. But 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 the fact that that game's led by a man whose last name is Blackman that they had to keep saying, who is not a black man, because <laughs> he's just a white dude. It's oh. like the, the game. And then Charles Webb loses his job after Mafia 3 doesn't do well. Right. They fire the black person that they hired to do the job to do the job in wrestling terms to basically be the black person, one out of a group of people who clearly can't assert yourself because you have to, you know, exist Mm -hmm. in a company like I've been that person. I'm still that person where I have to fight for things like I've been fighting for all these companies to do anything about this for at least the last seven years. And some are. Like humble, like I, I literally when I talked to Humble and I said they we were like, what can we do? And I was like, we need money for black and brown creators. And they were like, yes. Um, Microsoft, uh, their gaming for everyone group. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing this year, and they were like poking us, like, yo, so y'all still doing it? And we were like, yeah, we're trying to figure it out. And then when we were just like, okay, we're still doing it, we're doing it online, they're like, cool, whatever, man, here's the money. Like, they're one of our top sponsors. They just want to make sure that we have money and that we can run. Mm-hmm. And they always talk to me about what 
what like if they're overstepping or they've never overstepped. They've they've always actually been very like they actually they give enough money to be a have a booth at our event. And occasionally they've been like, eh, you just keep the space, give it to a dev. We don't we don't need it. We'll be on the floor. We'll talk to people like that's nice. That seems to be the the key really is is people you can actually talk to. Not a not a brand that will throw up a a flavorless Black Lives Matter post because there's no human mouth saying it. There's no human face to interact with. But as you say, Microsoft wants that dialogue, wants to check in with you. And the result is, from the sounds of it, a very good relationship. Microsoft, from what I can tell, have been pretty good about this over the years. Um, They've been very good about doing this with LGBT creators as well. I know that they go to LGBT-specific events and will just go out on the floor, put a lot of money down for sponsorships and just go, let's talk to some developers. And it's 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 nice to know that, that they're doing that across the board, it seems. Yeah. Trying to just talk to developers. Versus Intel, who gave some money after they did all that craziness of, like, canceling their ads with Gama Sutra during Gamergate. Mm. Then they gave out a whole bunch of money, and then they ran. And they stopped giving anybody anything. And they were like, we're out. And I was just like... That's it's it's like the cops kneeling right before they beat everybody. It's like they're trying to make mm. a point. They're trying to do some PR right before they just let everybody down. And basically, like, I've been stonewalled just so many times. That's the thing. Like, when you try to talk to people and they won't even, like, talk to you. Like, I remember I was talking to one company and I was just like, well, we're from the Game Does of Color Expo and this and that. They're like, well, we got to make sure it's not happening at the same time as QuakeCon. And I'm just like... <laughs> Motherfucker, like, you know, I'm trying to tell you we're trying to do something important and you're trying to tell me that you can't because it might conflict with, like, just the same bullshit that happens every year. I mean, like, QuakeCon is going to happen. It's going to be fine one way or another. Send them the shit. You don't even have to go there. You should come to our event and meet our people because our people are guaranteed to be different than the people that you go there. But it's like that's the consumer thing. And this industry is so consumer focused that they're like scared of the consumers that they never take any like steps to say hey like like maybe like i like i I respect rami that he tells people to fuck off on twitter when they're like i'm not buying your games he's like i don't give a shit Mm -hmm. granted rami is in a good place financially he's always had pretty good success with all of his games and again like rami has had people just like i remember the first when i met rami like polygon which was or maybe still just Vox games at the time. I don't know. Like, but I remember them just tripping over themselves to follow Rami around. Like, so this is back in 2012. So a long time ago, right? Like when they still like serious Sam random encounter was my intro to Flambeer and it was still very new. And so, you know, you like, so like, again, Rami is in like a good position to do that. And I'm very happy. He does. Rami flew me out to the Netherlands to give a talk because he, thought that I needed to be out there to give me a talk. And I actually asked him if he wanted me to do like something diversity or whatever. And he's like, nah, man, do what you want. So like, again, it's every time someone says, do what you want. I'm like, thank you. Because like, so like a good, another example, like Montreal international game summit MIGS. Uh, I got like literally the same year I said, I'm stop. I'm not no longer doing advocacy talks anymore at my event because the game does of color expo has zero advocacy talks because our event is an advocacy event. Our event is an event. That's like, we are changing the way the games industry rolls, whether you like it or not. So I'm no longer giving talks. So I actually went to MIGS and gave a talk about how 
active advocacy talks don't work. And I listed out all the talks I've given that were advocacy focused and how they basically just got me poor reviews on GDC side or called an angry black man at an event or by someone too far away. Because often people are like, it's really strange. My face is a lot lighter than like my arms and my legs. And that just happened slowly over my life. Like when I was a kid, I was super dark and I don't even understand. But I I know who I am and. Many black people know who I am, but the fact that this person just like had that racism in them that they call me an angry black man in the Indie Game Summit of all places. Well, I mean, and the thing is, Indie Games industry probably has a ton of like white supremacy in it. it, has a lot of white people in it, and I don't know their political views. So, um, so you know, you, you only have to assume one way or another. Like, you, I don't assume anybody's for me ever. I've been questioned about my stance they think i'm trying to do something for business when i'm just literally like in 2014 i gave a soapbox talk on the indie game summit uh called cultured matters with a a strike through because i was tired in 2014 right i was like there were a whole bunch of talks none by women or people of color for the most part and uh, all the talks by women and people of color were all on the soapbox so everyone was given six minutes each to talk like that included Lee Alexander and Zoe Quinn. Like, so I was, you know, like, and we were all and like Nika Harper. Like, so that's where all the women were women that are very like, well, speak spoken people were given like five minutes to talk at the end of the event. And it's just like the fact that they shoved us all on the end. And I, I basically gave my talk as like a black people can't see themselves as indie devs. But, like, we can see ourselves as, like, the president of the Americas. So that's, like, really strange. Like, or, like, as the head of a Fortune 500 company, we just don't see ourselves here. And I gave a shout-out to, like, a bunch of, of devs of color. And some people were, like, people loved it. I thought I was throwing my career away. Other people, uh, but some people did, like, say, like, what are you trying to gain from this? And I'm, like, I want more black and brown people to be successful. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't like I, I this is like I don't know I'm not going to go on Fox News or CNN and make any money off this stuff like that's not how the games industry works we don't we don't get anything from that we, we don't go on Kotaku and make money we just maybe throw our careers away and get stuff thrown underneath us by going on any any website but there is so much of a, a perception that these things are done with an economic motive behind it and part of the reason people have that impression is because we see companies time and again making these statements and doing absolutely fuck all yeah you know, and 100 percent and uh and it's it's incredibly unfair um that you should have to deal with that uh that sort of attitude because it's it's hard enough <laughs> like to get that done um, and, and it takes work and it takes time. You do have to find I me. Mean, you talk about playing the long game and watching people. It's effort and research um, and making connections and building relationships. And it's hard work that I think we could all be doing a lot more of. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, even like, again, when I talked to Chucklefish on Twitter, they were like, they still dr did the like, but we're a small team, and I'm like, I'm one person. <laughs> I have a mass... I follow 2,600 people on the internet. A lot of them are poets, radicals, people thinking very differently than a lot of other people. I have spent, like, the better part of, like, the last, whatever, 
I don't know, like, I think I started my Twitter account, like, in line at, like, E3 in 2011 or something, uh, just because I didn't know if Twitter was a thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I was like, yeah. and, like, I've just, I eventually, one day I was like, okay, if I see a black person tweeting about their game, I'm going to follow them, and then I'm going to start following people that follow them. And that's, like, don't tell me. Everyone keeps telling me, we're a small team. I'm like, I'm one person. The Game Does of Color Expo is six Six people as organizers, and we all have day jobs. Like, all of us have day jobs. A lot of us don't even have jobs in, like, the games industry. Yeah. And, like, Kat, who runs, who, like, founded the Game Does of Color Expo, she works in tech because the games industry has not, like, every time she puts something out there, everybody wants to, like, put it on a pedestal or something, but nobody wants to really do it in, like, a respectful way. People just want to do it because they want to have a game by a black woman. Like, her game from last year, uh... Oh, uh, Sweetheart. Yeah, Sweet. It's, like, Sweet X Heart, but it's just pronounced Sweetheart. Um, but if you look up Sweetheart, Cat, C-A-T-T-S-M-A-L-L, um, it's a free game about, uh what it's like to be like a black woman as a professional who's going to school and also working in tech who then like you have to get up every day and get dressed and then have conversations with people. It was made in phaser. So it was like JavaScript, I think. And it's, it's amazing. Like it's, it, it was in like, it was just like, it was basically like, co-opted by like indiecade they wanted it there but they didn't want it there early enough to give it an award like it they they asked a bunch of black and brown people 30 days before the event happened which meant that they had already figured out who was winning everything uh to sub to, to that they wanted their games and there are a lot of games from our event right like so they started picking all these games from these developers and then other people just want to put it in lists and put it in lists and i'm like tired of these like the best black game developers or whatever. I'm like, let me be your favorite developer. Mm-hmm. Don't let me like, I'm just like, these lists are like, like, this is what's going on with me right now is I'm just like, like, I don't think I'm anyone's favorite game developer, but I don't want to be your favorite black game developer either. Then like, like no rapper wants to be your favorite black rapper or white rapper or whatever. Like, cause it's always like your favorite white rapper. Like that becomes like, that's a, like a white rapper is a, is a distinguishing like pejorative essentially, right? You're part of a small group of people who don't necessarily belong like historically. And, uh, it's always interesting. Cause like, like you look at like a difference between, um, what the hell's that guy's name? Who's the guy who like won over Kendrick Lamar that year? Um, Macklemore. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. look at Macklemore and then you look at LP and look who belongs more in like hip hop. Like LP's just been here forever, like since the 90s. Like and now like Run the Jewels is like him with Killer Mike. And it was like Killer Mike found his producer when he found LP and Adult Swim created that uh, that opportunity for them to meet. And that's pretty cool. But like, I don't think, you know, people don't think it's like the difference. They don't think of LP as a white rapper. They just think of him as a rapper and a producer. Um, so when you think of like black game devs, it's like I, I and I'm you know slightly to blame. Like I came up with I there was a black game devs plural uh, hashtag. I didn't know this. And I made a black game dev like singular because I was trying to just highlight black game dev like the idea of development and not. Mm-hmm. And like it was it was because this guy, this dude, Micah Betts, who was making this game, Combat Core, which nobody talks about. Everyone says we want a new Power Stone. It's a new Power Stone. It's not made by Capcom. It's made by a black dude from Baltimore. It is on the Switch. You can buy it now. It's on PC. 
Uh, it's it's beautiful. It's really fun. I mean, it might not be Power Stone. It's a great game. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't think that like, he also just he's not like, you know, we're not great at like marketing ourselves. Like it's hard to get on the Internet and like, yell about your thing. And he's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure got other things. That dude was making this game. He got it on the Switch. Um, and like when he was doing his Kickstarter for it, he made one. The art was not good. And it did not succeed. And then he made another Kickstarter. Didn't let anyone know, but started his second Kickstarter with amazing art. He got like a lot of support from amazing artists. His uh, modeling just went up. He really went in and just tried to do it all again. And he was funded. But like I was literally clipping his trailer, making gifts out of it because I'm like, people need to buy this fucking game. Like, just come on, man. And so I made this black game dev uh, hashtag amaze i don't know if you know amaze festival their german festival Mm -hmm. celebrating games they got me to write an article about that which was interesting because like i did free labor for them but then years later they're like hey you want to speak we'll fly you out to germany i was like holy shit that was during a time where i had like no money and i had to tell my like girlfriend now wife uh hey i don't know if we can do anything because i don't like i'm i'm having to pay some really terrible debts back right now she's like okay and she you know she loves me tremendously so she was fine and then all of a sudden they're like yo you want to go to germany and like we'll pay for you and i'm like that's crazy like um but yeah so like but nobody wants to be a black game dev like we're proud of being black and we're proud of being game developers but we want to be game developers. That's what we want to be. We want to be people mm-hmm. who make games. We want to make games that are games. We don't want to make games made by black developers. We don't want to be on anyone's list. Just like how women don't want to be on women who make games lists. And non-binary people definitely don't want to be on women who make games lists. And they keep yeah. ending up there because mm-hmm. nobody pays attention. Yeah. Uh, like lots of my friends, like, you know, everyone's figuring themselves out. Like, just like I wouldn't want to be on a men who, like, I have he, they in my profile. I don't know how many people pay attention to that. Um, but it's, again, it's like, I mean, I'm, all these articles are coming out with these, like, here are black games made by black people. And they, like, will sample, like, an article I spoke on, like, in 2014. And I'm like, I'm a different person. It's, like, six years later. I have lots of podcasts I've just recently recorded. Um, maybe you could talk to me about your article instead of just lumping me into a list from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like, so like all these Black Lives Matter things, it's like, y'all need to, people need to just respect people now and try to support them now and support them as human beings. And if you're a game developer or game company or whatever, you need to look at your organization. Like there are like almost no black people in this industry in, um, in power positions. And that means you don't care. Because you like you could you could uh, promote people or hire people. You can work on it. You can find anybody. Like if we can find hundreds of games per year um, for our event, and I can find like over like like hundreds of people to follow. Like the, there's a Black Game Devs at Black Game Devs, I think on Twitter. There's like they follow like 1,600 people that are all Black Game Developers. They don't have like 10,000 followers. Everyone keeps saying, oh, where can I find people? And I keep retweeting them. And, you know, again, like it's the whole Twitter game of people like, you know, you have to be crazy and loud and sometimes really say something bad that a lot of people get upset about. And some people get really happy about like not bad, but I mean, like say something controversial, like black people deserve rights. And uh and then and then you get a ton of people yelling at you and then other people standing up for you and you get a lot of followers and you get a lot of like people coming to your Facebook pages and 
and that's the whole Twitter game, and that's very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, that Black Game Devs Twitter account doesn't have nearly enough followers, and all the people who keep saying they're looking for people, like there was that guy from IGN who deleted all his tweets, who was like, "I'm looking for writers." I'm like, IGN, like I don't want to be mean, but like IGN and a lot of games press back 20 years ago shouldn't have been writing fifth grade like reports, let alone reviews on games that they would like tank and give and like you'd read the language and i'm like i don't want to be an asshole but like when i was like 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 when i was 10 i was told i had like the vocabulary of a like a college like like a collegiate whatever vocabulary and reading level and i'm just like you know an adult reading these articles and submitting and trying to figure out how to become a, a writer in the games industry and keep being told oh it's really hard we can't give you jobs blah 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 then you read things that are barely comprehensible written by all these people who are just like are now like media professionals and like work at big game companies and PR firms and all this stuff. And you're just like, man, these dudes got in at the bottom. There is no bottom like that anymore. Now you have to have written five investigative reports um, to get a job somewhere and maybe uh, out a bunch of women's privacy about like, uh, like rape accusations of somebody in an interview to then go on to a way better job than what you had before. And it's just, like, wild. Like, the games industry just lets people just shoot straight up from failure, and then they blame you for it. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's why, like, all of these, all these anything, or, yeah, like, the guy from IGN was like, I'm trying to hire more diversely. And then and then later on in the conversation, he starts being like, well, we're really just looking for someone who can write about, like, multiplayer first-person shooters. And I'm like, yeah, at the first point, maybe you should say this is literally the most niche shit that we need writing for. Are you this person? Um, but also, like, like the, 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 yeah, maybe that it's going to be harder to find that person because you're just going to ask for jobs. And then people are going to apply and they're going to be like, oh, well, you don't tick the box that was invisible that I never told anybody about. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's just what I tell people. Like information dissemination is key to diversifying and including anybody, letting them know what you're looking for. But then also at the same time, like just fucking letting your wall down and being like, you know what? It's OK. Like this person is 90 percent there. Like I have a friend who I wanted to apply to Rockstar when I was there as a marketing coordinator but the stopper was that he didn't have a um he didn't have a, a college degree and i'm like he's done like you know marketing stuff for me like not a ton of like the big marketing but he's done a lot of event stuff for me on very small levels and i've known him since he worked at Bladeboard and skate and i worked at eb games so we were both working retail and he's a smart dude i've known him for a very long time and the fact that you know He's going to get bounced from a job at a game company that doesn't have enough black people as is a guy who could really who's works at who's has like who's from New York, who works in a blade board and skate company. Like, you know, so like at the fringe of culture at the time, like in the early 2000s and can't get a job at your company because he doesn't have like the bullshit degree that you need because you you're not going to mentor anybody. You're not going to bring anybody in. And I'm like, you know, not everybody's going to come in at the top. But nobody wants to let anyone in at the bottom either anymore. You have to, like, you ever see a AAA job posting where they ask you for three shipped games or something, knowing full well that games can be canceled under an NDA and you can never talk about it ever again? So you could have made 10,000 games for Take-Two or whatever, 
And as long as they keep getting canceled, you can never even mention that they existed in the first place. It's that classic trap of job listings that need, you know, several years experience. Yeah. And I remember when I, I was long term unemployed for a while and I was like, how, how do you get the work experience if yep. you can't get the work because they need the experience? Entry level position with years of experience required. Yeah, this the, the three ship games, I've heard about that before as well and it's just you're not gonna you're not gonna broaden your studio's horizons if you're looking for people who have already done all the same shit that you've done yeah i've talked to people recently about this and that like yeah it's like if like if you need this weirdly specific venn diagram because you're so far into development that you need a person who can do eight different jobs like if you need a narrative designer who can also implement all this stuff, that's going to be hard because narrative design doesn't like, isn't usually like the person who codes the game too. No. And like, if you, if you need somebody who has like shooter experience, who also has triple a title shipped, who's also has unity experience. That means you want to hire somebody who has worked in triple a quit, made their own game in unity doesn't want to be an indie anymore and now wants to go work for a company again so that's like a 10-year role just to get that person and that means they had to have done that like 10 years ago so like you're like trying to reach into the past for people that don't exist like i always joke like they're looking for steve gainer yeah and like steve game except steve gainer still gainfully employed he has his own company he doesn't want to work for you so you're looking for him and he does not want to work for you you're looking for like the jonathan blows of the world um, despite all the terrible shit that they do, um, because you want the person who's an implementer who has been able to do AAA work, raise enough money to work on their own independently for several years, and then decides to come back to the industry. And anyone coming back to the industry is usually a problem because they don't know what the industry is like. They don't know all the stuff that's changed the industry, and they now want to just make some weird Ponzi scheme thing and they you know they come back and they're like oh well we're letting black people in now and you're just like whoa and they're like and then there's an article about it and they don't get fired because um they're like what's up with all the women i thought they were not gamers like that's you know like you you like you if you listen to any like well not any but a lot of veteran people in the games industry have said some terrible shit to me um and you know like because like i'm just like a a a dude facing person that they're like, come on, man, you're cool. Right. Like I've just heard like some of the most fucked up things. And it's just like, you shouldn't have a job and your boy who comes back to the industry shouldn't have a job either. But because you've just been here forever and you've tanked three companies and stolen all the money from one game to feed another game that then failed also, like you get to keep your job and you get to keep working here. Whereas black people at the bottom get to have images put in their face telling them that they matter but they don't that's about the size of that in a nutshell yeah yeah no i mean that's about the size of it yeah 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 i mean there's absolutely nothing i, I think to even <laughs> to add, add to that to that, that yeah yes. no, i was thinking that was a good way to end it i'm just it's more like and i appreciate you trying not to like talk over me um the key thing was that like these are things that I actually think about more than like because the world I don't know how to change, right? But I've 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 seen small things change in the games industry and I I'm tired of it though. Like I get I get like people are so upset with that I don't want anything to be the same next year. I want everything to change and they're like 
oh, incremental change is important. And I'm like, no, because it's never going to happen. Like, I want um, Bobby Kotick off the board, and I want a black person in his place not making a billion dollars a year. And I want a bunch of black people around them changing everything. I want Call of Duty to be canceled. You know, like, I just want, like, old things to die. Like, I, whatever. I have nothing against Call of Duty. But I just mean, like, the fact that I even have to say that, I'm sure, because someone would be like, Sean thinks that Call of Duty should be canceled. Um, I, I'd just like to interrupt and say I do think Call of Duty should be canceled. I mean, we'll, we'll agree with that. Call of Duty should be canceled. Yeah, it's more like, it's just, well, what are they doing at this point? I have to play them every year for yeah. my job, so I definitely think they should be canceled. <laughs> yeah, like, I, well, that's the thing. It's like, who watches Family Guy still, right? Like, how do, how is, who watches The Simpsons? Who, who plays Call of Duty? Like, these are the things that I wonder in this world, because I don't know anybody who plays Call of Duty. I don't know anybody who watches Family Guy anymore, right? Like, and yeah. you're just like, what is this demographic that's still churning out tons of money for these people to keep making this stuff. And I'm just like, can we have somebody talked about like the Assassin's Creed quote unquote gameplay trailer. Oh. And someone said, I haven't, I haven't watched it cause whatever. Um, and I was just like, and someone said exactly what I always feel and which is why I won't watch it. And that for like the million dollars they spent on like a blur trailer, they could have funded like five indie games. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. The, the wasteful spending just drives me up the wall. But that's what I'm saying. Like You can change everything tomorrow by just changing your budgets and potentially, I don't know, like it's, it's hard to say because I know jobs are important, but just start like, like if you're going to, instead of making a new game, make a new division in your company or not a new division, just start hiring more people, add people to teams. And then let things play out the way that they might. Some people might leave. You know, the people who've been around for a long time might, who have earned a lot of money and have savings might go uh, be there. I mean, like, literally, take two fired, like, irrational and then gave Ken Levine money to keep making games. So you're, you're not telling me that you can't just get rid of a group of people. And but then but then they gave a guy who made a game about how racism could also be reversed uh with because of quantum physics uh <laughs> like like that game like that like literally like i was like the biggest ken levine fan in the world like i love bioshock so much like took a picture with him i was happy that i worked at take two you know worked at rockstar i was like man i work at the same company as this guy and then bioshock infinite came out i'm like this is the most racist piece of shit i've ever seen and you've dragged hundreds of people on this road to be like but what if racism was bad? But what if black people were actually bad? But what if quantum physics? And then they gave that dude a whole studio to go do his own thing. And they fired everybody else. And those people, again, those people who left, then made their own companies. Because they had been in the AAA industry and were able to have that... Uh, like, there's so many companies. Remember all the all the Kickstarters that were from a group of ex-Bioshock developers? Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah. So the seeds of this industry that exists right now are based on all these companies folding and these people with talent and with all these opportunities being able to start new companies. But black people can't even get in the companies to get the company to be bought and folded to then go do their own thing. Like, yeah. And that's and that's why I say fund indie projects, because like we don't want to go and like necessarily be in the cog for 10 years, be yelled at like Manveer Air dealt with all that in like AAA. And now he has his own company. But again, like he had to go through it a lot. Everybody working for that company like had to go through it a lot. And they don't want other people to have to deal with that. 
uh, one of the one of the things you brought up a while ago the um, <laughs> the the casting of um, a white woman in uh, that Naughty Dog game, like I I I. I, I one thing I always think about that casting choice is, as you sort of said, it would. The beauty of video games is that you can go back in and patch it, and it's like it's not even like we we've not had examples of that done. Like I think it was late last year when Judgment came out, they completely recast an entire character after the game released mm-hmm. because he did some cocaine once. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. like yeah, no. If if a game developer decides that character that that actor shouldn't be playing that character within like. Two weeks, they had completely recast that entire character and were like, yep, someone else plays them now. It's doable <laughs> yeah. if developers care. If you care, yeah. If you want to invest in it. If, if you th- if you think that it's an important thing to do. And if you don't do it, it's because you don't yeah. think it's important. If an in-game shop breaks, though, they'll patch that right fucking quick. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's like, I keep telling people they don't care and they're like, no, we do. And I'm like, but you literally are not putting money towards it. They're like, well, it's just not budgeted. And I'm like, who makes the budgets, man? Like, if you got to cut one thing to make another thing, then you have to do it. Then you care. You care, obviously, enough to keep the budget the way that it is. So you don't care. Like, just ask Bobby cutting the fish behind the cushion on his sofa. He will have enough money to fund so much. Maybe your next Naughty Dog game with, like, 100-plus voiced characters has one fewer voiced character so you can pay to replace this voiced character in this one. Yeah. No one's going to notice that one character missing in the next game so that you can fix this one. And I understand it's a lot of work. Like... People, like, they always think, like, oh, you, like, people are, like, well, that's the thing. Like, people think people are uninformed. And I'm, like, I've literally worked on all of this shit, right? Like, like I've, I've I demoed GTA 4. Yeah, I worked in, like, trailers mostly. But, like, we would get the talent because I'm also, like, in GTA 4 and Red Dead as, like, pedestrians um, because that was my department. And, like, literally, you know, Michael, who played Nico Bellic, he came back and we hung out. We showed him GTA 4 and showed him how his character was up in the game. Uh, so it's like, I know about the difficulty of production. Mm. That was my job. Like, I wrote scripts for uh, pedestrians. I did all this stuff. I know all of it. And the thing is, is I, I it's like people want to keep just saying, oh, well, this and well, that. And I'm like, people still don't get the bonuses they deserve. They still don't get this. They still don't get that. So, like, the heads of these companies get the money. Like, if that person doesn't get that mill because it's going to take you, like, a month to replace this person. Because, again, like replacing a person is a lot of work it's like literally having to go back to the place if you don't own it you have to rent it mm-hmm. and they have to pay for all the people that are on staff you have to get the person in the suit you have to cast you have to do all these things i understand but that's why i always so say just give money to indie devs like again like this is literally the blacks i mean and i don't want to open a can of worms because we should wrap up but I keep talking about how black exploitation in movies changed the industry forever, like because they started giving money to black people. And then when they realized they didn't need to anymore, they stopped. But enough had gotten in, enough had gotten successful mm. that they inspired all these other black people to keep doing it. And then people made money and they kept spreading it around. Like, mm-hmm. and people saw that they could be like not just a murderer in a thing, but like a black superhero, basically. And they're like, whoa, I could be like Shaft. Like, that'd be cool. And then you get Samuel L. Jackson playing Shaft in the future. So it's like, it's all this like interesting, like, like, and that was indie film, right? That was like small budget film. And it was because the movie industry was 
because of a lot of musicals and a whole bunch of bullshit, they were chasing this AAA endeavor. Like uh, Lindsay Ellis has a really great video piece about the um, the roadshow and how they were like charging these bespoke amounts of money so that people could come see the roadshow and get all this extra swag and all this sound like something. And then a lot of those didn't do well. Yeah. And so they were losing millions of dollars, but they didn't stop doing it. They kept trying to be like, well, why didn't this do well? Well, let's fund another one because it did well again. Like all of a sudden a musical did well again. And then then the Hollywood almost went bankrupt like from that. And then they, then like, you know, Melvin Van Peebles and a bunch of other directors were making movies. And they're like, oh, shit, white people go see black movies. Oh, my God. Let's give money to these black people. And they're like, wait, we're fine. Four years later, we don't need to mm. give anybody any money anymore. And in the industry, the games industry, that was the early 2000s when, remember when John Ricciatello got yelled at for trying to make single player games because they didn't think it was going to make money Mm. and Dead Space came out, it did fine and people were still yelling, well, where'd the money go? It started going to indie devs, but who were the indie devs? Mm. A lot of the indie devs were ex-AAA devs instead of them being young black devs to be, to make new things. They went with safe bets. Yeah. Well, they went with like, yeah, they went with like people who had been in the indie space for a while and like, you know, Microsoft like invested in like, like really good games again. And I like, and I know a bunch of the people who made the games Sure. and, um, I don't like Jonathan Blow though, even though I love Braid, I love Braid tremendously. And Jonathan Blow has been such a sexist piece of shit, mm. um, like towards people like telling, talking about how like women are just like predisposition not to code mm. and stuff like that. Like that's sexist, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a fact. That's a fact, Jonathan Blow, in case you're listening to this and want to sue me. Um, he's not listening to this. <laughs> I know, I know, I know him, I know him personally, I know, but it's like, I know him personally. Like we've like joked about Dunkin' Donuts in the past. It's like. But again, like, yeah, these people got this money and they made good things, but yeah, it changed the industry in one way, but it didn't change the industry in another way. Like, you know, Scott Anderson was a black dev, like he's a black person making a game. His game didn't uh, like his game ended up getting canceled. He talked about it. And, you know, that game was he was interviewed like for Indie Game the movie. They have video of him talking about how he thinks the games industry needs to change actually uh, towards diversity and what clip is not in the movie, the clip with Scott Anderson. He also questioned whether or not we need to keep making platformers, which uh, so this is very forward thinking from many different perspectives. And again, the industry did not change. It changed that way in that now we're like seeing like, you know, we're seeing the return of like middle middle a projects from small indies that were able to make money and turn it into like bigger projects which you know everyone was talking about how middle a was going away right everyone was saying that a long time ago and it's back no it's a cycle yeah but like but again like black people and people of color were left out of that right yeah perpetually yeah 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 so that's where i'll end (laughs) thank you so much for your time and for your patience with us today I, I wanted to say I really appreciated the all of the wrestling references in Treachery. The, the moment Steiner math came in, I was very pleased. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we were sitting there and I was like, yeah, this guy, this has got to be some Steiner math. Like, because <laughs> like, they like just those videos, well, because those videos are still very like newish YouTube too. Like, so like, I, I don't know, like our game was in development for like, probably over 10 years in terms of thinking about it and then like like eight years from 2012 so it kind of definitely changed a bit here and there 
And so, yeah, I was I was kind of struggling with John because we actually used to make him a bit more sympathetic. And then I was like, no, all the people that are bad guys in this game need to be just outright pieces of shit. Mm. They need because like the thing is, is it's like um, with comedy, you can't be subtle. You can't be too subtle because people will mistake you for doing a thing because like even if we wanted to do the long game with john because we wanted to do like because there was actually a point where you were being sympathetic to him but then like now nah, but we got to fight you though anyway and he was like that's fair and i was just like and then when we finally came to like him just not getting it no matter what that's more like a, a person also yeah and so it's like to hit that like someone was talking about on twitter they were like i didn't expect it at first like they were like i i didn't like the fact that it was so on the nose and so like and then I, I started to get it because, like, when you start seeing the news also, you start seeing that people are actually way more direct. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, like, the, the the gameplay has the subtle elements of racism and, like, gentrification and stuff. Like, like Heather the gentrifier buffing the cop, right? Like, that's subtle. Yeah. And it's, like, systemic and just like how gentrification and racism is. And, but then, like, the... Like, and granted, like, you know, Bill Burr talked about, like, how many more white men are racist movies are we going to see where they're like, hey, they're swimming in the pool? Because it is usually more insidious than that. Mm -hmm. But you're only dealing with our people one person at a time, two people, three people at a time. And you've got to come away from that with something like, hey, man, that person was terrible and I'm glad I fucked him up. Like, that's what we want you to get from those those fights. And it's like, if we were subtle, you'd be like, I don't know if I should have fought that person. And we didn't want that to be in your head and who's less subtle than Steiner it's, yeah, well yeah <laughs> <laughs> huh absolutely terrifying man yeah I just yeah just wanted someone else to talk this week if I'm totally honest and and I couldn't think of anybody I'd rather have talking at me right now so I really do appreciate you you coming in and hanging out <laughs> Oh yeah, you're you, we we did a uh, Holmes's thing yeah, back in the day, yeah. like a while ago. I remember him being like, "I wish I could have asked you more challenging questions," because he basically just would say something and I would talk for like for twenty minutes <laughs> because it's all just boiling in my head. Like it's just like also being an indie dev means that you're like working. Like again, like when I got uh, separated from my wife and like I was living out in Bushwick in a room that was totally like this illegal bedroom. And I was, and I had like, I, for some reason bought sun, like daylight light bulbs. So like my, my light was always like, it was day. I woke up one night at 9 PM and I thought it was 9 AM and I freaked out. Um, but like, I basically was like living in like isolation and the only person I would see would be like my programmer. And that was only when we would see each other. And I guess I was, I was trying to date at the time too, but that also leaves you very isolated. Cause if you like see someone, you like them and then things fall apart, then you are now even more alone right and so like like all yeah and it's like all this just bubbles in my head and now especially with you know like gdc did not happen yeah like I, all the places where i get to talk to people about this stuff the last big thing i was at was pax and before that was indicade and indicade had invited us there the game does with color expo founders to as like game changers to try to give us some award and i was just like but you guys fuck over black and brown people all the time so i gave a speech basically saying that um, because I don't care anymore. Like, if you're an institution that's not doing well by people, I'm not your friend. <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I think there is a... I mean, there certainly came a point for me, too, where I was just like, you know what, fuck it now. Like, I just... I I wanted to try and, and not necessarily play the game, but 
you know, I always had a, if I keep my head down and just do the work, you know, it'll be fine. And that's fucking not true. And I should have known that then. And, yeah. you know, and, and waking up to that has been frustrating. But um, I just can't, I can't fucking suffer fools anymore. I'm just done. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully somebody enjoys this. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll, yeah. It'll in, in, in the edit, I'm sure it'll all work out. <laughs> no, there's tons of great stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good we'll, stuff in here. We'll pull the drawstrings and it'll be a, a tight little production. Yeah, it's just more that, it's just more that like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's so many people who don't want to hear. I don't know. Like, I feel like they'll, they live, yeah. dude, mm-hmm. just because like I have the glasses on these days. And well, we'll you know, we'll publish this. If they don't like to hear it, then they don't like to hear it. That's on fucking them. They don't like <laughs> half the things I say yeah. on this these days. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people who don't like <laughs> the words that come out of our mouths. This is really nothing new there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, I've I mean, I remember Jim, you and I met at GamerX. Yeah, very long time ago. And it was that year that like I think you had just gone and started your thing and it was just like the internet was just like like after you and I think I gave you a hug cuz I was like, you know, keep doing what you're doing cuz like people enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you. Cuz I feel like that's 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 the way you got to do it. Like, you know, it's uh you got to keep up that hustle even when people don't want to hear what you got to say. Yeah. I need to get out to more gay events as well. By the way, I have one of those business cards and they're awesome. Ah, should we should we wrap this up? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um Sean. Sean, yeah. Where people go find yeah, stuff you're doing. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I should direct them there. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm at a new challenger, a N U challenger. Um, uh, because Anthony Carboni had new challenger. I didn't know him back then. Like this was again on the floor at V3. <laughs> and I think I had been trying to brand myself as a new challenger awaits or something back then. And yeah, so then that didn't come up. So I just on the fly and then, then it became new challengers, the company, um, yeah, newchallenger.com. That's where I, I don't know, I post some updates from like me and things that I'm thinking about. It hasn't really been updated a lot. I have a really good piece that I wrote about Dragon's Crown on there and also uh, Metal Gear Rising and about Solid Snake passing the torch of like the, the literal sword to Raiden in Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. 2, which changed the whole industry. Um, I don't know. I, I do games writing occasionally and it's very hard work and I respect the people who do it well. Um. And uh, so beatdown underscore city at Twitter or beatdowncity.com. We are out uh, on on itch.io, on Steam, and only in the Americas on uh, the Switch because I wanted to do some localization because I wanted to, like, drop the game fully or at least drop it with a few languages when we went to Europe, just because like I've, I've heard that if you just drop it in English mm-hmm. and you try to patch stuff in later, people have already lost interest. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and we're just trying to hit some major, like, and I didn't have enough money to do like French and Spanish when we did the Americas. Uh, so thankfully we've sold enough copies that I can do localization at least. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping for that. Well, if, if you're a switch owner who wants to play it in Europe, 
the Switch is region free, it's not that hard to buy it off the US eShop. Yeah, you, you could do that too. Definitely. I, I should, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, because like I, I, I bought Ninja Warriors again. <laughs> uh, I bought like a Japanese yen card to buy it. And also, it's actually a separate SKU in America. It's weird. I don't know why. Um, but like, I'm glad I bought it early because I had it that whole summer. I saw Tim Rogers had it on his Switch. I'm like, I got to play that game. And that game's great. And Treachery Beat Down City's pretty great too. It's fun yeah. stuff. It's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mechanically as well. It's a lot of things. Um, uh, beat em up, RPG, tactical elements. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, There's a. I can imagine a lot of my audience would really dig it. E- even if you're not a person who traditionally goes for sort of side-scrolly beat em up type games, um, the RPG elements are a big enough part of the experience that, like, that 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 may definitely be enough to win you over, even if that's not usually your genre. I mean, I'd argue it's the core of the experience. Well, that's that's the thing, yeah. And you can do the dusty elbow. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, gotta gotta stun him. Yeah, I mean that's uh like again like it's when people talk about like Fallout Three, mm. and they're like, and that's when you can tell that people just didn't understand a thing. Like I I actually really love H Bomber guy's thing about how Fallout Three has like the worst like ethics choices because it's literally like do you blow up a city or do you not and if you blow yeah, up the city yeah. you're kind of bad and if you don't blow up the city you're great and it's like what is that what but like i don't know like that i didn't play the fallouts before that but when everyone talked about vats for fallout 3 and they kept saying the shooting's not that great vats makes it better but without the vats the game wouldn't be that great and i'm like vats is the experience yes. Yeah. Well, that's what Fallout 76 taught us all when that had to be retooled <laughs> and we were left with a dreadful first person shooter. Oh, I, yeah, I don't. I, by that point, I was like, like, Vault Boy is like when when they when they did Fallout 4 and they were like going out of their way to make a white person in the press thing. And they were like, look, we can make a black person, but let's make them back to white for the rest oh. of the trailer. Like in a second, like I just gave up and I was like, I can't touch this. Like that was the time where I was like giving up on companies very quickly because i was just like i'm tired and if you if your marketing materials don't speak to me anymore then i'm just out right Mm. but but like but the thing about like vats was yeah the fact that people just when they were writing about it just seemed to act like vats was a separate thing and i'm like vats is the jumping of mario like that is the point of the whole game which is why like our game is like what if you could play like a tech and practice mode, but fight people with it so that you didn't have to remember the 32 things you had to do. Cause I can't all the time. Right. Like I, I know Katsuhiro Arata. I like, we used to hang out at like Sony press events. I can't play Tekken that well. And I wanted to get, but I, I, get, I used to want to go competitive street fighter, but I was never like as good as the competitive street fighter. I played against Chris G and like a warm up, and I actually didn't, join a tournament because he just i lost my patience because that's what i do in fighting games and he played the long game and i was just like okay so again i wanted to make a beat-em-up fighting game that you could think about and also fighting the people you think about like it's all about you fight you talk to someone and then you figure out how to beat them and then you fight more of them and you're like oh now this becomes this weird systems level thing and that's that's the thing that's always been there and that's why we did it it's it's about picking it's about picking the right moves not about can you make your hands do the move that you know you need to do yeah because i can't always and i've already gone down the route of trying to be a competitive player my one of my best friends used to be a competitive smash player like it's all these things like it's always weird when people are like oh well you must not be good at fighting games i'm like i was pretty good for a while i just 
chose to to leave robot robot boxing behind. Simpsons reference. <laughs> thanks for listening. Yeah, th- thanks for hanging out. <laughs> maybe next week will be, and maybe we'll tell you whether your favorite video games are great or perfect next week. Who knows? <laughs> They're all shit. That's a spoiler for next week. I'm de- breaking oh. from tradition. All games are shit next week. Sorry about that. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.